You're listening to the Restoring Hope Podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Matt Till. Welcome to the Restoring Hope Podcast, your no-fluff dose of inspiration to believe that hope is never lost, faith is not dead, and a better tomorrow is coming. Well, welcome to episode number 13 of the Restoring Hope Podcast. Hey, we got two in a row here going. We're on a streak. Very excited about that. Welcome back uh, to the Restoring Hope Podcast. I'm just grateful that you are part of this journey uh, with me and that we're on this together. Today, we're talking about what is normal anymore. (laughs) This is all this talk about the new normal. I think we should just ask what is normal anymore? Um, we are we are in a in a time of life where the stories and the narratives and the constructs that we have built our lives upon have shifted. The story's changed. The story's been altered. Um, all the same cast is here. <laughs> the same crazy characters are here. We're still in it, but the story, the direction. The narrative, the plot has changed. Um, It's probably a little different for everybody. Everyone's living their own stories. Um, But our global story has changed. And the reality is, I think it's it's really been changing for all of us for quite some time. Uh, It's been changing. um, And we just maybe haven't seen it. And some of you who are more keen have probably noticed this for a long time. I feel like I've been in a little bit of a catch-up mode myself. First of all, let me ask you, if you listened to last week's episode, which I, I hope you take time to do so if you haven't done so already, how is stopping going? <laughs> Have you been able to stop something? Have you been exerting your power to be able to say no to someone for a little while? Or no to something? Are you resting? And how is the reflection process going? I realize that in traumatic times when you're feeling anxious or have dealt with some sort of post-traumatic stress, that um, reflection might be really difficult. You got to wrestle down with those emotions and uncover some things about yourself that maybe, man, I'm not so proud of how I handled that. Or man, I can't believe how far I've, I've drifted from my original values. Um, the things that I think are really were once me, but are no longer me. That's part of the reflection process, and it's often very difficult. So I understand that, and um, I just want you to know that you're not alone in that wrestling. You're not alone in that processing. Um, Keep going after it. Keep working it. Go talk to somebody that you trust um, that can help you through that. Um, Talk to a close friend that really knows you. And somebody who's going to listen and who's going to encourage you and, and, uh, and help you um, and affirm you. I don't recommend the person that always gives you all sorts of advice and tells you uh, how you're wrong. Don't talk to that person. <laughs> talk to the person who's going to encourage you for who you are and, uh, and, and who's going to want to see you thrive and to succeed and who's going to restore hope into you. I think when you think through that list, it might be a little smaller than you actually think it is, or once you once thought it was, but that's okay too. Those are the people you want to be talking to. 
So make sure you're stopping, resting, and keeping the rest going and keep finding time and intentionality of reflection. For us, for me, it's been just a long, long process of reflection. Reflection just continues and then one thought leads to the next thought to the next thought. It's a long process. It's not just something we do or something that I've done um, in just a matter of a few hours. But today, what is normal anymore? You know, after we've experienced this year of a global existential crisis, and I don't use those words lightly, global existential crisis and collective trauma, what does a hopeful future even begin to look like? Like, what does this look like? I mean, are we doomed as a human race? Are we doomed with the, the notion of global warming that's going to, to wipe, off, uh, wipe us off the planet? Are we doomed to, to die from pandemic diseases that can't be controlled and mitigated and people who don't want to take the vaccine and, and this thing's just going to continue to run rampant and kill off large portions of populations? What about the next one? What about the one that's worse than the one that we've just experienced? Are we doomed to fall into political tribalism where it's one side against the other and at some point in which we all fall into civil war? Is that the future? Boy, that doesn't sound hopeful at all to me. (laughs) It definitely doesn't sound like a better tomorrow. I don't think that has to be our future. And I think if you're listening today, you believe that too, that that does not need to be our future. Um, and I think deep down, no one wants that to be the future. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's just kind of the reality of the world today. There's good versus evil. There's one bad idea versus the best idea. And at some point, somebody's got to take the reins and lead, and everyone else has got to fall in line. Yeah, I guess that's one way of doing it. But I think that's just how we've arrived to this moment in time. Maybe it's just about the best idea wins. And so we just need to keep selling our ideas, marketing our ideas, and informing the world that our ideology is the best ideology. Hmm, maybe. Maybe, or maybe not. What is normal anymore? What is the vision of life that you were once pursuing in 2019? What's it look like today? What does our world look like today and tomorrow? What does work look like now that we are in a post-pandemic world, or we're at least emerging into one? What does school begin to look like again? What does sports look like? You know, it's interesting. I'm was watching, uh, scrolling through the TV channels the other day and baseball game turned on and I decided I'd watch a few minutes of it. And I noticed how the stands are just so empty, but you know what? I was struck by it because I'm like, wow, like there's no way at these games. And part of it's just because they just don't allow that many people at the games yet. And then I also just kind of thought, you know, baseball has really been kind of losing some steam as it is. Uh, you know, I don't know many games that have sellout crowds that too often anymore, at least prior to the pandemic. But then on top of it, I'm just like, I don't even have much of a desire to sit and watch a baseball game. Now, this is no offense to those who love sports. Uh, I'm not a huge sports person as it is, but I am a, I am a fan, probably more of a Fairweather fan, to be honest with you. 
but I just didn't really have the energy. Um, I didn't really have the energy to watch much football during the winter. I didn't have much energy to watch many sports. And to me, it just felt like, wow, there's so much more in this world that is far more important than, than this right now. And I realized for many, this is just how they make a living and this is what they find joy and meaning in. And I support that. But for me, I realized there's more happening in this world right now than just watching a sports game and showing up at the stadium. Now, I actually kind of look forward to going back to a baseball game someday and sitting there and eating a nice big hot dog and, uh, and hanging out with my family or friends. I, I, I look forward to that. Um, but not right now. And I'm not quite sure what that looks like in the future and how normal begins to look like. You might be thinking some of the same things. How, how do we move forward after a significant loss of life? You might, uh, it might liken much to the loss of a loved one, a loss of a parent or a spouse or a child. How do I move forward now with this empty space in my life? How do I begin to move forward with something that is just cannot be the same anymore? I think that's probably the hardest part, actually, about the pandemic. And then, of course, what's going on in the political moment of our time as well. And we see this globally, not just here in the United States. But political populism, tribalism taking place. Um, talk of civil war, which I, I think is overblown. But I'm just one man with one opinion. How do we move forward? How do we begin to think about tomorrow? You see, the thing is with these such existential crises that occur, they just seem so big and so unfathom. You know, you you can't even begin to like process it. Like your brain can't even like put your mind around it. How do I make sense of this? And how do I make sense of the world now in light of all of this? And then how do I, does it affect me? Should it affect me? I don't want it to affect me. It's over there. It's with somebody else. It's in the capital. It's in, it's in other states and other cities. I, you know, it's in other countries. The, the virus came from China. What's it doing over here? I get the line of thinking because it's self-protection is what it is. It's just what we naturally do. We self-protect. We just put it off. We, we try to make sense of it. We try to rationalize it. That's how your mind works. But when we actually allow it to, exp- when we actually allow ourselves to think about, wow, this actually has an impact on my life. These decisions that other people make or that I make actually impact other things that are happening. We are far more connected than I originally once thought. Listen, the story is changing. The story has been changing. What is normal or what was normal is not normal today. And it took a traumatic experience to reveal that to us, to uncover that for us. And so today we are crafting a new story, a a new way of thinking about the world. For some of you, this is like old news. But I think for a lot of us, this is new. This is all new. It's like, wow, um, this, this virus that is microscopic in scale had this kind of effect on our lives, and we're still reeling from the effects of it, and we will be for years to come. Not just in the loss of life, 
but also in the economy and how we move and how we work and how we operate. And, it, and it's just one more thing on top of many other things in this world. And so we're crafting this new story. A new story is being crafted for us in some ways. A new way of thinking about the world. A new way of existing in the world. A new type of normal. But what does that even begin to look like? What does a hopeful future when the story is changing look like? What is it that I once thought now is suddenly no longer? I thought we were above this stuff. I thought this, these kind of things would never happen. How could it happen? Somebody must be to blame. No wonder we start thinking about conspiracy theories. We're trying to rationalize it again. It's like, well, wait a minute. How, how, do, I, how do I make sense of all this? Like, how, does, how, how is it possible that we could have a vaccine in less than 12 months from a, from a disease that we've never even heard of and didn't even have a name, right? Well, part of that is just modern science has already been working on this stuff. It's incredible, actually. We should be celebrating this. But at the same time, we're just trying to rationalize, well, how, how, how could we do this? And there must be an agenda behind it. And no, the story has been changing. The world has been moving. And maybe we just haven't caught up to it yet. Maybe we just haven't seen it. Maybe we've just been so absorbed in my daily life and doing my thing and seeking my own, you know, my own agenda that I've failed to see it. And I've only been thinking of myself and perhaps not the other. Um, that perhaps could be the source of why I feel the way I feel. Listen, we're crafting a new story. We're a part of a new story now. The timeline, the plot, it is all changed. This is what I actually love about the gospel. I love about the, the scriptures. And, and when you really start to see it um, in its political um, statements, and when you see it in kind of its political context, um, especially the New Testament, it actually really comes alive because now you realize that actually this was happening in that first century. That you literally had this new story that was emerging. You had all this like infighting and political battles and this drama that was taking place uh, amongst the religious and the irreligious. And you, um, and then you have Jesus show up on the scene, and he's got this radical hippie-like message of love, right, and forgiveness and grace. And then on top of that, he's performing miracles, and he's talking about this that he is a Messiah figure. He is the Messiah. He is the one who has been sent from God only him and that he's going to deliver people rescue them from not just their sin but also just from the evil in the world and so now it's like okay now people start putting it in their own context so they're like okay so he's my deliverer he's my freedom well he must be the warrior king that we're looking for that's going to put all of our enemies under their foot and abolish them and destroy them and he's like yeah no that's not me that's not who i am that's not what god sent me to do and so he brings this radical message of love and it's like, well, wait a minute, you're, you're changing the narrative. And then you got the other people who are on the other side who are like, who is this guy? What's he here for? Is he a threat to us? Because if he is, we're going to have to, we have to take care of this guy. Wait, he's got this radical message of love. How is that going to solve anything? We have a message of intellectualism. We have a message of, of, of power and authority um, that which we maintain and we hold. That was like the Romans of the time. We have high society, academia, 
that's going to save the world, science. But he said, no, the way to a hopeful future, a way to a better tomorrow is by way of sacrifice, by way of humility, by way of love for the other, and by way of forgiveness. The story of Jesus is the story of a world being called to reorder itself around this concept of the gospel. This gospel means good news. And just simply put, people are redeemable. Yeah, like people can be forgiven. People can be redeemed. Their personhood can be affirmed. Isn't that what we all want? I mean, isn't that what every person wants? Is they want to know that they are worthy, that they have value, that they have worth? Isn't that what was threatened over the last year? Our personhood was threatened. A microscopic virus threatened your personhood and your value and your worth because it caused you to disrupt the things that you gave worth to. Something's good, something's not so good. But it threatened you. And so you had to deal with it. You had to figure out, well, how am I going to deal with this? Am I going to put up walls? Am I going to try to rationalize it away through conspiracy theories? Am I going to just ignore it? Am I just going to go ahead and just, what, however you responded to it, it threatened your personhood. It threatened the value of you. But all what we really want is to know that we are worthy people who are redeemable. That we are people who God sees and says, I love you. And we want to be loved by others and cared for by others. But we were threatened. That's why when we talk about things like even social justice in the world or, you know, seeking justice for all people, it, threat, it becomes threatening to some. Because it might mean that suddenly I have to reconcile the idea that maybe I have a privilege that I've been wielding over other people and I didn't know it. Or maybe I have been participating in corrupt systems and supporting them. Or maybe even my political candidates have been actually participating in the oppression of others. And I now have to decide, am I going to keep telling myself the story of yesteryear is the correct story? Or do I need to embrace the new story? Which means that I'm afraid. My personhood is now under attack. But this is the beauty of the gospel. This is what Jesus' ministry was. If you read through the New Testament, you find he's always walking this line for everyone. It says you have worth, you have value. Just we need to repent of our sin. We need to find forgiveness and give forgiveness and receive it. And then we need to learn to love again in light of this. I think just the most simple way that Jesus states it, by the way, is in Luke chapter 5. And he says this in verse 37. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the new wine would burst the, new, would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. Right? Okay, let's explain it real quick. Back in the day, 
if you're going to make wine, you take the fresh wine, the fresh grape juice, and if you're going to ferment it, you got to put it in a fresh skin because it needs time or like a, a wine skin or like a calf skin or whatever animal skin they would use to ferment the wine. And you would pour it in and it would sit there and then that's how they would ferment it. Well, if you used an old wine skin, it would be probably hard. It'd be leathery. It'd be weakened because it already had fermented other wine and you put fresh wine in. Well, the new wine needs time to ferment. Well, you put it in the old wine, it's going to burst the old skin. The old skin can't contain the new wine that is being fermented. So it requires a new wine skin. It needs a new story. God, through Jesus, is constantly trying to call us to this hope, this new world, this new kingdom, this new story in this world. It is a new wine and a new wine. It requires a new wine skin. It requires a new story that we have to come around. But when we're, when the old story is threatened, we say, well, the old stuff was just as good. But the reality is it probably wasn't. And it hasn't been because we can see it. We can see how the pandemic, we can see how uh, decisions in politics, we can see how the world is really, in some ways, teetering on the edge of chaos. We cannot say that the old wine was just fine. We cannot say the old wine skin was just fine. We must embrace the new story. A hopeful tomorrow is possible. A better tomorrow is possible. When we look to this gospel message, this good news, that we are people of worth and value. That is where, that is where we have to begin. And that's where I believe this story starts to emerge of what a new normal can begin to look like. Well, thanks for listening to the Restoring Hope podcast this week. This is a listener-supported podcast, and because of you, more people can learn to believe in a better tomorrow just like you. When you listen, share the podcast, and donate, you're helping keep hope alive for others. Visit anchor.fm forward slash Restoring Hope to learn more how you can support the Restoring Hope podcast. Until next time, remember to keep the faith and inspire hope in others, a better tomorrow is coming.